<laughs> oh no, Chris, I unmuted you too fast. You're already laughing. Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. And um, and sorry, I unmuted us a little too early there. I trusted our ability to stay silent for 10 seconds. And, and it didn't happen. Welcome to Avatar The Last Podcasters. We have a very exciting... I love doing these episodes, Chris. I love any time where it is... Any Anytime we get into these top list territories where you can incite lots of opinion and tension and rage from listeners. That's my favorite. Uh, welcome, though. Chris, anything you want to say before we get started? I was just laughing at last, technically, last week's trivia question that I put up on the page. The trivia question, which, Sean, I already went over with you, um, was, or is, when did Azula first appear? <laughs> when did Azula first appear? In the, in the TV show. And it's multiple choice. Um, the choices are either uh, A, Season 2, Episode 1, The Avatar State. B, Season 1, Episode 12, The Storm. C, Season 1, Episode 1, The Boy in the Iceberg. Or D, Season 1, Episode 20, The Siege of the North. <laughs> and one person wrote so the correct answer uh, is C, season one, episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg, because she is the firebender in the opening sequence. <laughs> I hate that question, and I hate that answer. I was side so, with the audience. <laughs> the, person, uh, the person just commented 23 minutes ago, that's kind of cheating. <laughs> that's what I'm laughing about. So, because most most of my questions, people like sixty to sixty-five to eighty percent get it right, and so far twenty percent said, "I love this question." Twenty percent said A, the Avatar State. Forty percent said the storm. Thirteen percent said the boy in the iceberg, and twenty-seven percent said the siege of the north. If you, if if it's part uh, that Netflix would skip. It's not real content, Chris. That doesn't count. No post-credit oh, scenes. That's... No intros. Get that junk out of here. The intros one of the best intros. It is ever. It's maybe. It's part no, of the. Maybe. Also, it's, it's a... literally my favorite intro in any TV show ever. But you skip the Ooh, intro. It's not mine. The intro. Dang, we're right. Just no. That's a great topic. Actually, I have to do that someday. Favorite yeah. intros for TV shows. But Chris, it doesn't canonically add any content to the show. The intro. The intro. It does. Not the picture, just the just the narration. Oh, the, oh, the picture. Okay, uh, it's not. It's not actual content. She's not actually doing that. It, you know, I thought okay, that's fine. as part of like. Listen, no, I'm not accepting the background animations as canon content during the intro. It's not. Even, it's she's. It's not background. She is like there when they say fire. It's her kicking it up and stuff. I'm not biting. I'm siding with the audience. That's lame. That's lame. <laughs> Uh, Chris, uh, I'm, listen, I'm actually writing I think that's a great idea We gotta do top intros to TV shows I'm gonna write it down In our ideas list yeah. That's nice. great I looked at the idea list the other, Whatever I was trying to figure out What we were gonna talk about this week I was like, I don't know how long this is Like, I just kept going Because I just put, I just add random things to it All the time but, um, Okay, but 
this it, week's episode. That's that's my favorite part about Keep Notes. Though, is like you don't really get. I mean, you can see how long it is, but you just kind of get lost in the scrolling and you just keep adding <laughs> things to. It. That's great. Uh, yeah, let's get to this episode, Chris. T- talk to me. This week's episode is the definitive list of the top twenty vendors of the Avatar universe of all the elements together, even uh, non-bending elements. We've done the list for each of the elements previously, and this is a this is just the culmination of the top twenty. So, first of all, let me let me preface this by saying that this list will make people mad, and I know it will make people mad because I made the list and I'm mad at the list. That's how <laughs> that's how much I know. If it doesn't make, make you feel things, then you're you, then you you know you need to watch. That's okay. Champion. No, it yeah. should make you feel it. Chris, this should move you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, um, I'll add some context. Yeah. I was saying for avatars, we were limiting the judgment of ability to, to their actual element, to their primary element, uh, not all four of their elements or avatar state. Yeah. And then Absolutely. also, uh, not that Chris approved this or anything, but at least when I looked at it, I was thinking of uh, not necessarily violence or combat specific but just mastery of absolutely element yeah so don't look at this list of like oh well number one can be everyone else on the list i mean number one could be to everyone but don't look at it like oh well number nine could be 10 and below like that's not necessarily how it goes like mastering of an element is more than just the physical powerfulness of the element it's like how do you use it? How did you advance element? How did you master this skill? Um, even the essence of the element, things like that. And this is a really, this is a really long list. It is, but we'll start at number 20, even though, so when I was making a list, I just copy and pasted like the top seven or eight from each one. And because I already have a ranking from each one. And then I just kind of slowly moved them around. And then got to my top 20 list, and I shared that with Sean. And then me and Sean discussed a lot of changes to it. I mean, not a lot, but a few changes to it. Yeah. Which I love, I love doing that. I love going back and forth. Because then, like, I, I think about things that I didn't think about before. But, anywho. Number 20 is an interesting oh, one to start off with, Chris. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you, you go, well, no, I'll do the evens. You do the odds. Uh, number okay. 20. You put number one non-bender, Suki. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes oh yeah we'll, we'll also say where they rank within their own element but yeah number number 20 who's number one in the non-bending that tells you a lot is suki uh suki's freaking amazing she she's pretty much i feel like mastered every aspect of non-bending except technology um she is a a, a great chi blocker great enough to have mastered it to teach other people she is uh, a really great hand-to-hand fighter swords she really good with swords projectiles she uses a f- i've seen her use a few she uses her sword as projectile or even her fans her fans very defensive things there her agility probably the most agile person so really really great bender yeah. I mean, my only qualm with that is that it, the list is literally called Top 20 Benders, and she's not one. So, not that I have a place with her being on a Top 20 awesomest people at their craft, but that's a, it's not as catchy of a title. Uh, 
but hey, you can't have this list without talking. To, you can't have any good, good Avatar list without talking about Suki. Hmm. So that brings us to number nineteen, King Bumi, who was number five, uh, the fifth best Earthbender. Uh, what say about Bumi? Like we all know, he's like, yeah, freaking strong. He's one of the few benders who can do like telekinetic bending, uh, which didn't factor like too much into our our uh, rankings before, but still something to point out. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's fine for him. I think he needs to be on the list, but he he doesn't have the same kind of um, inventive creativity of of his competition ahead. Yeah, once I saw yeah some of the competition ahead, I was like, yeah, okay, he's ranked roughly so. I think so. <laughs> Number eighteen, we've got the fifth ranked Airbender, and that is Tenzin. And I always have like an extra level of respect for Tenzin. He's being taught by Aang. I get that you're being taught by the Avatar. But you're not, you know, like when somebody talks about learning a new language and going and being immersed, right? He doesn't, there's no opportunity from that. And I think we've all gotten sick of trying to have our dads uh, or or parental figures or father figures. Like if you try to learn from that one person every single day, (laughs) at some point you're going to hate that. Um, So just like a small extra modicum of, of respect for Tenzin's airbending prowess given the circumstances in which he was trained. Yeah, that's a good point. Same teacher. Whole life, because there's going to be one teacher. Yeah. Like, you don't get any type of, uh, you know, uh, diverse teachings or, or yeah, anything. It, it won, and so the fact that he, for example, is using airbending as kind of an offensive, right, that had, some of that had to sort of start in his own brain, his own creative influence on on airbending. So it's a great bender. Number 17. Oh, man. It's funny, considering our last video, one of our last videos of who could defeat, more most likely to defeat Amon. Number 17 is Polite, who is the... uh, She's the the perfect Amon candidate, man. Yeah. But when it comes to being the best bender, she's ranked all the way down to 17. Uh, she was the fifth best firebender, uh, plea, the absolute best combustion bender, and she's also a freaking great firebender who could block direct dragon fire attack. I think our, our explanation was like a, you know, not quite a one trick pony, but her one trick that you see most importantly or most prominently is really cool and absolutely yeah. the best version of that trick. Number 16, I've got our fourth-ranked Earthbender, and that's Kuvira. Seems like a great place. The Certainly the most, I'm going to say at least the most precise metal bender, right? She's doing things so. with tact and accuracy with metal bending uh, that doesn't even seem innate to the element itself, right? It seems, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's, it seems like taking a square peg in a round hole, and she does it seamlessly, Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, Kavira is like probably one of the most fierce benders. And yeah, you make a really great point about the way she uses metal bending. But she uses it like way like a, like a new element all of it, all of and of itself. Like not that many people use metal bending the way she does. It feels like it. Yeah, 
she in I mean there again most of that had to kind of be crafted. You see influences just in other middle benders and her loved ones, but nothing to the degree that she has sort of crafted on her own. Yeah. All right. Number fifteen. Again, guys, this list was hard to make. <laughs> Number fifteen is Azula, who's the fourth best firebender. I freaking She'd be love Azula. If her mother loved her. A little throwback to the last episode. Sorry, just kidding. Or if Iroh, if if Iroh Iroh took, loved her her. took her under the wing, <laughs> it would be... she'd be higher. Yep. <laughs> It's your fault, Ira. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of mad that I now have like a whole new like uh, thing to to uh, make you know put Iro down a peg. Iro's a terrible uncle. It's a horse. Like, oh. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not a. It's not that he's a terrible uncle. It's that he favor clearly favors one. He's he's part time great oh. uncle and part time horrible uncle. Fifty fifty yeah. split. Go watch that episode. I'm just just, just a neutral uncle. I'm the same to all my nieces. Same. Same. (laughs) Um, Azula. Oh, yeah. Azula. Azula. Blue Fire. That that alone would probably be enough to rank her pretty high, but she is... She is... The way that Kuvira has mastered metal bending, I think is similar to how Azula has mastered lightning bending. Like she uses lightning bending in a way that no one else uses it. She can make projectiles. She can make like balls of it. She can do it without doing the whole conjuring thing. She can do it with just a, a flick of her wrist. She's, I would say, she's the best lightning bender, um, and she's she's you know a freaking prodigy at fire bending. No argument here. She well, and the extra element of lightning bending that suits her so well is just the danger element, and that's such a good mm-hmm. fit to her character that she manages it so in a way that feels careless, uh, but is I mean, is just supremely talented and rehearsed. Number fourteen, still don't know how to pronounce his name, Atuat, and that's the waterbender, oh, right? Uh, yeah, the waterbender from um, the Shadow of Kyoshi novel. Who taught Kyoshi? She, and this is the interesting thing about this list, is that in a fight, she will probably lose to really any bender. Any offensive bender. Yeah, because Atua, being raised in the Northern Water Tribe, was not taught how to use water bending to fight. She was taught to use it how to heal. But she is, like, far more powerful than than most of the other men who were learning how to fight. She can she can keep people from the brink of death just by like freezing their their I don't know, degeneration or she something invented, to that effect. She invented cryo cryo bending, Chris. She's a Chris yeah. therapist. Uh also yeah. I, I did not mention that was number four from our water bending list. And uh yeah, I mean that's such a there again it's such a unique talent or a unique mastery of the talent that probably was not I want to say like was it taught but like there's some element of that that was just out of her person some like, there's not other healers that we yeah. see that can do that yeah. somehow in there she found and discovered this abilities uh, just on her own or innately and that's awesome yeah she definitely took healing 
to a level that I wouldn't say has ever been um, really duplicated. Like, Not that we've seen, at least. Like, um, like uh, Kyoshi is, is a great waterbender, but she doesn't necessarily use that to like heal. <laughs> like she uses that, she uses that ability to kill, to kill uh, people <laughs> or kill that specific person. Like you do. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Atawat, really great. Number thirteen is Monk Kel Song, who is number four amongst the monks. I'm sorry, uh, amongst, amongst uh, <laughs> number four uh, from the Airbenders. Kel Song, just his what was his name? The Walking Typhoon, the Living Typhoon, something like that. That alone puts in perspective just how freaking powerful he is. And and the, I don't know, it's that's like he's conjuring up storms like he's an airbender, but he's literally conjuring up storms. That might not qualify as its own element of, of subbending, but like he's literally manipulating the the whole atmosphere yeah. in in large enough scale to, to sink ships. A, yeah. Not just creative, also very cool. Yeah. Number twelve, Lauge, who is an earthbender slash I'm gonna say <laughs> random kind of healer in his own right. It, his Yeah, you know, that's it's funny we think about it that way. But it's he funny, can't do yeah, his all... to other people, I don't think, right? Like he's kind of you know, Atuat is healing others, but Lauge is uh-huh. just sort of keeping his own elemental form in 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 place intact. It's funny because technically speaking each element except for air has some type of healing factor to it. Water, of course, has healing. <clears throat> can heal the body and also heal things spiritually, whether that's dark spirits or even uh, people to a certain extent. And firebending can also heal spiritually to a certain sense. So there's a scene where Korra uh, gets you know, her memory not that over, and the fire sages are like brushing over with fire. There's healing element there, and then yeah, earth bending. There's self healing of just like break yourself down, then build yourself back up. <laughs> like that is. I was maybe I didn't give him enough credit when we did this list because uh, that's a freaking what was he ranked number that's three? Cool. Okay, he's the third ranked yeah. earthbender. That's pretty sick. Yeah. And then also like that's that's. Not that all these other people don't have great skills, but you're also talking about a wildly practiced assassin too, right? Like it's not a skill one and two; it's like one and one a in terms of his abilities. Yeah, so, I think the only thing that I brought him down because when I, when I think about that ability that he came up with to somehow just even do it because your body isn't necessarily earth, but he. Does it somehow? Um, <laughs> an earthbending technique. Is he um, old enough that we could see him in a Yang Chen book? Because that would be fun. A little, little popping. I would. I think they were saying that he's like five hundred years old. So somewhere around there. That would so, be an amazing ooh. if FCE just well, keeps don't... writing books farther back, and you just get oh. little like Stan Lee cameos of Lao Ge assassinating <laughs> somebody in the news. Yeah, don't get my hopes up, Sean. If they do, if they drop a Lao a Lao Ga reference or or cameo in this, I'll, that would 
Slight me if you come That'd to be amazing. But it, I really want it to be in passing, like somebody's reading a newspaper or whatever their equivalent of. Oh. Another high up official assassin, uh, assassinated, <laughs> you know, like, and in your head, you yeah. think that's him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, so maybe not enough credit, but I mean, they're getting us easy to say, and it's much harder to figure out, like, okay, who you, you know, who you're replacing him with. Also, his, his, his earthbending, we see him do really great earthbending, but there's not as much of it. It's more so to be like evasive and stuff, uh, which is still great. Like, his dust stepping was was really great as well. And when you think about the fight scene of him in that little town they're in, he was pretty much untouchable. Um, there could be a case maybe for him to be a little higher, maybe even up to 10 or so, but we won't make that change now because we already made this list. It's too late. It's scientifically set in stone. Yeah. All right. Uh, number 11. Don't know if this will make people happy or, or not, uh, but it is Iroh. Who comes in number eleven? He was number three in fire bending. Uh, when it comes to Iro, he is uh, just real quick volume check. He is uh, really he's kind of like the master of, of the different sub elements of fire bending. He's really great at lightning bending. Um, he's just a great fire bender in general, and he also he came up with his own method of redirecting lightning. So that's really huge. Uh, yeah, Iroh's so funny. We had Azula. Yeah, that's that still makes sense. I'm so fine. No, I think that's still. I think it still works. Um, it's maybe like a slight sticker shock to see Iroh this low. Yeah, I'm, I'm thing is, I'm pretty sure Iroh could take Azula in the fight. Yeah, I, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Just just redirecting, and wisdom too, right? Like we gave Laugat credit for for existing forever. Um, I mean, I'm looking, and it, there again, it's a little sticker shock, but I just I think it's the right place for Iroh. And Chris, after last episode that we recorded, everybody <laughs> hates Iroh now anyway, so nobody's going to be offended. <laughs> we we converted them. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Man. Number 10 is uh, our third-ranked airbender. His name is Aang. And this is tough, Chris. When I talk about names moving up and moving down, I was a little surprised that he got this high actually right because uh but mm. he's i think what we're what we're attributing that to in in our airbender episode is he just has such immense he's like a hands-on evil genius of airbending so it's not massive things it's crafty small immediate quick thinking things that that i don't know that you see replicated in such a creative way uh by by a lot of other benders um yeah and he and we'll talk about this a little bit more with the character coming up but he does fully embrace the he does fully embody uh the element of of air and that freedom that comes with it um the one thing i really love about him is that while <clears throat> it might be a little bit of bad writing that he doesn't really change that much it's it could be argued that there's strong writing there because he was so uh ingrained in his convictions of being an air nomad he would not take a life except for that buzzer swap buzzer wasp uh <laughs> rp to that buzzer wasp that was in the wrong place on the wrong day man uh, <laughs> uh he wouldn't change he wouldn't uh succumb to killing anybody hmm? uh 
and we've seen that affect other airbenders like Hillsong. Like Hillsong was so wrecked by the things he's done, his airbending was a fraction of what it was in his prime. And there again, I think he said it best when it's just the ang like embodies air airbending. Like if you told me that later on in life, slight foreshadowing, that like the ang was the first airbender to learn how to fly or could just sustain himself up there forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, it just like he he feels like the quintessential airbender. Uh, yeah. He but, probably could, but he's the avatar, and his sole attachment is to the world, yeah, to the earth. Afraid so, so it's not gonna it's gonna break the rule, break rule number yeah. one of flybenders. Gotta detach yourself, like all those earthy tethers, come the wind, and not become air. Um, anyway, number nine is Ozai, who's ranked number two amongst all the firebenders. Ozai, the big bad of of Avatar. Like yeah. what like he is he's just he is the epitome of all powerful bad guy. Uh, and he, he, he shows it. hand with the Avatar. Uh you know, uh, traded blows with the Avatar in the Avatar state. You know, um I don't know how much more like demonstrable proof that you need. It's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's like blunt weapon force, but it's just the biggest, strongest blunt weapon force maybe on the list. Yeah. He probably had the strongest lightning bending I've seen, and especially the way that he does the double, double, double finger, uh, double gun, double, double pistol, maybe uh, lightning bending. Yeah, there's. I mean, we don't have just a whole lot to go on from him, but what's there is is overwhelming. Yeah. Number eight, we have Yakon, who is our first bloodbender, and not the first bloodbender, but our first bloodbender. And you know, we kind of referenced it earlier a little bit. Who are we talking about when we were talking about teaching? Oh, Tenzin. Um, you know, there again, it's not that he's being taught how to blend bend. He's having to stumble on and then hone this himself and then to be able to pass it on to his children and, and for them, him to be able to teach them so well that then they can do it without the help of the moon, the full moon. And so, you know, it's like he's developing his own branch of science, um, even mm. though he didn't necessarily invent the form itself. And obviously he was a very good bloodbender. Yeah, good enough to good enough to take out a room that included Aang and Toph in it and other benders. Like and he just got away. And um, uh there again, I'm sure he had uh we don't see him as much, but I'm sure he was a stellar water bender too, just given the context of where he wound up. So not yeah. Not just blood bending. Yeah. And he was our third number Yes, third rank waterbender. Uh, number seven is Jianju, who's the number two ranked earthbender. Uh, Jianju, the grave digger. She, like, he was able to go, you know, toe to toe with with uh, with Kyoshi, and and also he's his bending was enough to withstand the Avatar state. That's crazy. We don't get the we don't get the unique bending forms or styles here, and it's mostly just uh, directed toward violence. But mm -hmm. but you're talking about a guy who's been around for a really long time. Like he's clearly old. He's still doing it at peak high level, and and at that age, toe to toe with the Avatar. 
and it essentially took another, uh, you know, powerful bender slash spirit being to help him be brought down. Despite, I don't know how old he is, but he's lived through, you know, a, a full, a full avatar. It would have been. At, at a I think he would have been 50. If he was around Quark's, avatar Quark's age, Quark died at 33. Then... That means Kyoshi was yeah. born when, when Quark was, when Quark died. And Kyoshi's about 17 at the time of the Kyoshi novel. So that'll make him about around late 40s or early 50s. Just so, say fifty. Uh, yeah, so we don't necessarily have tons of evidence about the innate uh, about having some excessively crafty or creative, creative style to him. But what's there is so so good and so successful. Number six, I have our number two Airbender, and that is Zahir. And there again, we're talking about Aang. We're talking about the almost perfect embodiment of an airbender. Well, Zaheer's there. He he masters it. He detaches from the world. He himself is not literally an air nomad, but like he he becomes the wind. Um, he embodies airbending at its most in its most pure form. And that's on top of the yeah. fact that he also is just a pretty good airbender, uh, combatively. Um, you don't necessarily see him use it for lots of other creative or interesting purposes, but. I think flight alone is is enough to work your way up pretty high this list. Yeah, and his flight, it's really good flight. It's 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 fast. It's not just floating. It's like there. he's on a jetpack, right? He's not. Yeah, he's not just floating yeah. better than Aang. He's yeah, he's like Aang, propelled. Aang's glider, a fatty gas, can only go about the third of the speed that Zaheer can fly. Maybe half. I mean, I was just gonna wildly guess half, but you know, yeah. the 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 idea there too is then he's also still in a glider where it feels like it feels like Zahir could turn a tight corner if he needed to. You know what I mean? It looks like and he's bend in control at the same of the jetpack. Yeah, and so and have his hands free and everything. So that's incredible. Like Peak. that that moment was crazy. <laughs> Beautiful. Like I remember being like, "Oh, they got him." He's cornered. He says his quote. And I honestly didn't see it coming until, I think until, no, I, if I, you know, if I'm just reaching back into my memory banks of watching the episode for the first time. I probably guessed that he jumped off and was going to land on like an airship or something that he hid right there just in case or because he's always like 10 steps ahead of people. Piece no, of he just freaking equipment down there probably. A crane. Yeah. He just floated there with with Cora on his back. He just takes the unconscious Cora. Yeah. yeah, he's also carrying another person. It's not like he's first time in it and kind of wobbling. Like, no, nah, he's got a whole grown human on his back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zaheer. And this was a good one because Zaheer, I think I had a little lower originally in our conversations. Um, but yeah, you convinced me to take him a little higher. We talked ourselves so. into it. <clears throat> That brings me to brings us to number five, which is Avatar Yang Chen, specifically her heir. Um, Avatar Yang Chen is it's funny. She's the only Avatar on this list. No, I'm sorry, Yang is right there, number two. <laughs> we just talked about Yang. Um, Avatar Yang Chen. Well, it makes sense. We have fewer Airbender. Airbenders to choose from overall, so the two air Avatars. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yangchen, amazing airbender. She also can can do the uh, uh, choke someone out with their own air type of deal, but not kill them uh, type of stuff. Like years ago, before Zaheer ever did it, um, and just one of the the most powerful airbenders ever. And she uses the element like so seamlessly. I, I can think of other things. Her her range of how she uses it is so big. Like offense, defense, stealth, interrogation. Yeah. Like she has made it a tool at her disposal for any task. I do really love Yang Chen. She is so different in, in these books. <laughs> like she comes off in the show as like the wisest person ever. And rightfully so. But like we see a Yang Chen in these books who's just like I'm just over humanity almost. (laughs) (laughs) She just feels like almost like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. There's a specific line in in Watchmen for Dr. Manhattan. I gotta look it up. Sorry for this detour. Um, I'm sure I'll find it. But Dr. Manhattan is like a fifth dimensional being who sees, who knows everything sees everything that's going to happen to himself. And he's just, like, surrounded by humans. And, I mean, he, he used to be human himself. But he has one quote. He says, like, I'm tired of these humans. And they're... Wait, I'm going to find it. He says... <laughs> I thought this is Yang Chen. I am tired of Earth. These people. I'm tired of being caught in the tangle of their lives. Like, that is kind of where Yang Chen is at right now. It's his polite way of saying he's sick of your shit. Pretty much. Um, but now you're just making me more excited to, to jump into the book. Getting stoked. Number four, we have Iroh 2. He was our top-ranked firebender. And we won't, you know, we won't repeat everything we said, but we remained so blown away by his, <laughs> by his. Go admittedly, watch Yeah, just go watch that clip. But his admittedly small sample size of, of incredulous levels of firebending competence. All jam-packed into a few short seconds. And so <laughs> we're just kind of projecting the idea that like, yeah, he did that in a couple seconds. Kind of on a, not a whim, but not like he had a ton of preparatory time or that we were seeing yeah. his sort of other academic types of firebending. Like, no, that was just his reactionary fighting. <laughs> and that's, and so we're going to assume that he's got some other incredible firebending skills as well. Go watch yeah, that clip. That's a great that. clip. Number three is... Tarlock, who came in number two in our list of waterbenders. Uh, Tarlock, I initially had him a little higher in this list. Uh, he is he is the second greatest uh, bloodbender. He was able to bloodbend a room filled with some of the strongest benders in the world of Linbei Fong, Tenzin, uh, Marco, Bolin, he was able to get away. And his waterbending was also really, really great. He went toe-to-toe with Korra until she bust out uh, more than just waterbending element. When it came to, like, water versus water, though, they were going at each other. It was a freaking great fight. Uh, so, yeah, so Tarlock 
coming really hot at, at number three. It's not that it's wrong, I, and it, you know I'm glad you moved him down. I think he ended where he needed to end, but that's one of those that just it it surprises you. Uh, but then the more that you think about it, it feels good. It feels appropriate. Um, dude could have made a you know a, a great. Well, I guess he eventually sort of did, but would have made a great just villain in his own right on his own. Number two, we've got our top-ranked Earthbender, and that is Toph. And just like last episode where I couldn't think of the right word, but I, I keep wanting to say, like, when it comes to bending, Toph has the luxury of being blind, and that's not the right phrase. But what I mean is that, like, she's she's thrust into this context that most other Earthbenders are not, but in a way that has led to her becoming... Uh, almost like an extra dimensionally skilled earthbender and forced to master her craft in a different way. And on top of that, literally invented a new kind of uh, bending or founded a new kind of bending that becomes pivotal through the rest of the show. Um, Not something that you just see once or twice, but it comes pivotal to the narrative of the rest of the show. Long lifespan, that helps too, right? Like she's got a great, great range of time that she's having an impact and continuing to... Uh, adapt and survive. Um, yeah, toss amazing. Yeah, created pretty much three subsets. That, that this this statement alone is crazy. She created three subsets of of a bending element. She created metal bending, seismic sense, and uh, truth saying. Like that's 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 more than taking the elements to the next level. And then metal bending, like like you mentioned, became pretty much an element in of itself like it changed whole freaking cities multiple cities um it was that important of a change change manufacturing i'm sure uh i well and i always forget about the about the truth seeing i kind of lump that in like truth seeing in seismic sense like you're you're still sort of reading mm-hmm. vibrations it's just that some people can't do both in fact yeah no that's... one can do but there again, yeah, she's the only oh, person that oh. can do both. Noted. Yeah. So I, I lumped them t- together a little bit, but that's still, it, it's not something that you would even associate with earthbending until there again, until you sit and ponder like, oh, she's literally reading vibrations through the earth. But it feels like such an important, prominent leap for her character that you wouldn't expect. It's such a good, unexpected surprise. Um, and again, I'm usually pretty bad about forgetting all about it, that she was the first to do that, at least that we have a canon record of. Yeah. Chris, do you want to do all right, some before... honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. We need to do honorable mentions, Sean. In fact, I changed up the honorable mentions there's, just so... There's so <laughs> many people on this list, Chris. You want me to go just uh, 25 through 20? One, you you do as many as you want. I'm here for it, man. All right. You know what? I'll start off just so we can talk about these people because they're really great people, uh, really great benders. Katara would have been number can't count <laughs> number twenty eight. Um, Katara number twenty eight. Number twenty seven would have been Mingwa. Number twenty. 20- Oh crap, I can't count. Sorry. 29, Katara. 28, Mingwa. 27, Tylee. Uh, 26, Janora. Was Janora 
I could make a case for being higher. I should use uh, so many Janora's, Just to clarify, too, Janora's 28. Your numbering's wrong there. Oh, you're, that's you're fine. Right. So, yeah, Janora. you're right. Dang it, Sean. So, Katara would have been like 30 or something. Yeah, we're like, doing top 30 today. Yeah, Why not? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, Janora's really great because Janora uses like subsets of airbending and she, she really also embodies the element of air. Uh, Combustion Man. 27, Lin Bay Fong, 26, Su Yin Bay Fong, 25. And so this one hurt me here. Talked about this one before. <laughs> uh, me and Yushan off camera, whatever, mm-hmm. talking. That this list is very unbiased, I would say. Because one of my favorite characters, who I think is one of the most powerful people in the whole universe, Aura, did not make the list in any of the elements. But she has such so, nice, well-rounded mastery of everything yeah, but that's, airbending. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, you know, that'd be an interesting separate conversation of you know, just, like, avatars with the best range across all four or whatever, however you'd want to word that. But, like, her and Kyoshi just immediately come to mind as having that, that using and having most of the full range of bending in the best possible way. Mm. But in this case, yeah, sorry, Cora. No offense. Yeah. Yeah, Cora specifically wa- her water bidding, but it came in at 24. And then Kyoshi, but it came in, weirdly enough, at water bending at 23. Yoon at 22. Tagaka, the Pirate Queen, at 21. So those are the honorable mentions. I and would... I mean that very honorably. So. And I don't think you're giving. I don't think you're giving Kyoshi's Earth enough credit. I would still put her Earth above her water. I know she did, you know, impressive things. Uh, but like you know, we we're still talking about her her calling card being like she separated an island. Uh, the way in the fight against Tagaka, the pirate queen, at you know like at her I mean, earliest was... raw stages, like just, like from the sheer power kind of who's a good other yeah. But she was like using the avatar state, and I mean she definitely used avatar state to make the island. And so I didn't want to include or consider that the versus Tagaka. I'm pretty sure she was using the avatar state. It, it made it seem like she was using like something fringy. similar, some type of yeah, I, around there. I just and her it kills me to have like not her original element on there blocky. because in my mind, there's there's no way without being like without the avatar state causing that connection or allowing it to be possible. There's no way in my mind that avatars would even be able to bend those other elements. Like it kills me to have her out of her actual element. On there uh, because that is a, that's tied to the avatar or being the avatar instead of being a specific type of bender. Yeah, like she's Earthbender. But anyway, I see your point in terms of the power of her, her mastery yeah. of water bending. Regardless, she was able to freeze someone's heart, Sean. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Or lungs. I think it might have been lungs. Yeah, it was a, whatever. They're close to each other. I think lungs. She just froze a general yeah. area. It wasn't very surgical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, get us up to number yeah. one. Take us away with our... Number our... one. To, to no one's surprise, I'm sure, the number one vendor is Amon. We did a whole video, a whole episode of just simply asking the question, can anyone defeat Amon? <laughs> so that says a lot. Not only is Amon... The greatest bloodbender by a mile. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tarlock, amazing bloodbender, and Amon took him down in a second. 
So Mon's an amazing bloodbender. But not only is he a really great bloodbender of like moving people, he can get in, use bloodbending, and use his knowledge of chi to block chi paths with bloodbending to take away your bending. That is some next level type of stuff. That is surgical, man. That's hyper. Yeah. That's not just yeah. bloodbending an arm like a puppeteer. Like, that's performing surgery with bloodbending. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to to discredit again his his just his standard water bending abilities. Um, they again given the context in which in which he grew up, he, I mean, offensive certainly just for like general survival. Um, yeah, so bloodbending obviously is what puts it well over the top. But even without that, I'm sure yeah, he would his, be a moderately formidable water bender. His water bending skills seem to be. Uh, pretty good. I'll probably put Tarlock's waterbending skills and probably Forrest as well above his. You know, uh, but he was able to like make a freaking twenty-story, twenty-story, ten-story something around there uh, funnel when he almost drowned. We also that's, the, it's small sample size, right? For most of what we see, yeah. he's not using waterbending. So you just uh, not that way. You know, we we have to do that to the best uh, of our ability with other characters, but. Yes. Uh, dude's a powerful waterbender. That's all it boils down to. Chris, that was fun. It was fun to combine all the lists. Thanks for doing the, the legwork. Much appreciated. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments where we where we, we did not air because, you know, we did science, but where you think that we should have done things differently. Looking forward to seeing your comments. My name's Sean Taylor. That's Chris Board, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. This has been Avatar The Last Podcasters. I'll put all the details down in the description. And we'll talk to you next time. See you later. I was just asking myself, are we going to make it through a whole 20 seconds silently? Never. Never.